Hey, folks, welcome back to the DC three cast. My name is Brian with me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about the comics that are coming out on May 10th, 2022. But first, we have to review the free comic book day issue from DC. We are not going to be talking about all three parts of it. We're just going to be talking about the Dark Crisis number zero special edition written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Jim Chung. This is the first word on the Dark Crisis event since the end of Justice League 75. And it it doesn't do a whole lot. It just sort of gives you a, a bit of a sense of what the current status quo is. Uh, it does so through Wally West, particularly, which is something that I will always, you know, uh, be cool with. However, there is one thing in here I really do not like, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, Zach, let's start with you. What did you think of this uh, free comic book day story? And we should also mention, let's not talk about the the preview of Dark Crisis number one, because that we'll talk about Dark Crisis number one when that comes out. Let's just talk about the the actual zero issue here. So what, what do you think of the zero issue? Um, I so I was probably the one who is the most down on Justice League 75, I would say. Uh, I I was right there with you, but well, okay, okay. We were we were both pretty low on it. I liked this quite a bit. I thought that this was a fun uh, little prelude thing. I thought it like I'm I love Jim Chung's art. I think it's so good, and we we don't get enough of it. And especially his Wally is so good. Um, I would just imagine him on a flashbook (laughs) is insane. but I, you know, as for, for what Dark Crisis seems to be doing, which is kind of like a love letter to Justice Leagues of times past um, and Justice and Justice Leagues of the future, um, th- this was a cute little story. Um, I liked the way Wally was used. Um, I know what the thing that you didn't like is, and I also didn't like it. It seems. Um, extremely unnecessary like any any character could have filled this role and not yes. undone uh, I want like not to dance around it it's it's the clayface thing um clayface who you know we gushed over in the tinyan uh written detective comics run um had a bit of a uh, turn as a hero um and we haven't seen much of him since then and now here he is kind of inexplicably like well i tried to be good but uh my you know back to my old ways um and it sucks it's and, and it feels like such a throwaway thing to like it just feels so unnecessary so i don't know maybe maybe williamson has plans for clayface later down the line i kind of doubt it but um you know if he does and they're they're good then you know what if clayface has a big role in dark crisis that would be awesome um but his inclusion here feels pretty unnecessary that's exactly my point zach i feel like the, the fact that clayface is impersonating a you know, tour guide at the Hall of Justice is, I guess, on its face. <laughs> I guess it's fine, but literally, all, and that it, is really weird, though. It's but, like why? But literally, any villain could do that, right? Like, there is yeah. no reason it has to be Clayface, and uh, it just seems to be one of those things that undoes a really good story for no real reason. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that bums me out. Vincey, what would you think of this issue? I really, really liked it. And and I'm echoing what Zach said about not really liking uh, <clears throat> Justice League 75 too much. Um, but I think the, the big difference here is that I mark out any time um, anytime they honor DC's history and, and hint at DC's future and kind of meld those ideas together and um, Justice League 75, like you'll recall, our one of our major criticisms was that there was nothing else to chew on, really, other than the Justice League is dying, <laughs> right? Right. And I think that some kind of some kind of honoring of their past and and maybe recognition of the future kind of sandwiched in there somehow. Now I I know that that's probably not what they were intending. They were intending for that to be, this is the death of the justice league. It's massive and weighty and we want you to believe in it, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that worked at all. 
but this does work because from that opening panel where they're at the museum and they've got the uh i'm assuming statue or whatever of of the justice league fighting starro and they're walking through and you see the cover of um i'm not going to be able to pull the issue's name but the one where they're all turning into trees Mm-hmm. which is which is one of the possible origins I, I think the cover says something like the real origin of the justice league or the or the official origin or something like that it was you know the the justice league's first mission or whatever has been retold several times that's kind of what this comic is trying to get across to you and um and i just love stuff like that and then you and then you get the next double page spread that has like the different iterations of of the justice league over the years um from the silver age to, to the um, sort of current configuration, or I guess new 52 is the last one that you see there. Um, but yeah, just at, and the way that Jim Chung's art accomplishes all of that. Um, do we assume that, do we assume that he did the, I don't know if there's any credits for this, but do we assume that he did the, um, the little homage pieces i'm i'm assuming or, that yeah yeah that's that is my take because if he did they're they're great <laughs> so i was i was really debating whether he was the one who did all these because like all right so if we're going left to right here uh-huh. i feel like the golden and silver age ones one and two are are stylized enough that it doesn't look exactly like one artist right it just kind of looks like a general version of that stuff then there's a really good Kevin Maguire uh, yeah. ripoff, a really good Morrison era JLA. That Howard, Howard Porter, Porter one Howard. almost does look like it looks so close to the original. Right. And then you get that um, from the uh, Brad Meltzer era there. like, And then the new 52 one, I think could also be Chung, but like those three in the middle are so stylized to the source material that if it is them like standing ovation bravo jim chung if yeah. it's just if it's just a, a reprint it's close enough that i'm not surprised like it's just it's either yeah. way it's pretty cool mm-hmm. i'd be i'd be surprised if it is just a reprint of something because i'm looking at it and guy gardner's face looks a little bit different <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's like just a, a little different and they're just in a slightly different arrangement you know um like, I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the Howard Porter one, for example. Yes, that's how the characters all look on the cover. Of but they're that. not stacked up that way. They're not. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. they had to do some things to get them into the into the vertical like yeah. that. And and I don't think they snipped the art and, and moved it around. It doesn't really. I mean, that would be really impressive if that's what they did. Um, but if it was all Jim Chung and I'd be fascinated to find out it's it kicks ass um oh man yeah i just i i loved what this was uh and even the clayface thing didn't bother me too much i mean it did because that's such a great um turn for the character that we've we've praised to no end over the years since uh the detective comics run where that happened but um I also think it's an inherent acknowledgement that doesn't that doesn't mean it's good necessarily, but it's an inherent acknowledgement that like everything does rotate back to the way that it was <laughs> at right, some point. Right. Now, what I kind of wish they would have done, which you, you cannot tell me it would have had any less of an impact, but there have been so many clay faces over the years. If this were a different one apart from Basil Carlo. Well, what's crazy to me is that we've seen a fair amount of Lady Clayface recently. Yeah, Just make a Lady Clayface. Make yeah. it Lady Clayface, or, or yeah, like there have been like what five Clayfaces or something like that over the years. Why why can't we have one good one? <laughs> and and uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's asking too much. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna well, you guys talk. I'm gonna look up. Wait a minute. One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, eight clay faces wow. over the years. And I do not believe that that even includes Lady Clayface. Wow. 
And if it does, then it's seven still. So like when was the last time that we had a non lady Clayface alternate Clayface around? Um, if, if, if this is to be believed, it was Batman Gotham Knights from circa 2005. Wow. So pre pre 52. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand why. I don't understand why you need to make that choice here when you when you have other clay faces you could use other than maybe they only want one clay face running around. I, I, I don't know. We've got I mean, several flashes at this point. Right. So, <clears throat> I mean, I, I will say that I suppose it makes it a little bit more um, impactful if it's Basil, right? Like it's it just feels more uh it feels like it's not just using a third string clayface to use one, yeah. but but that said, there's no reason for this. Um, there's no reason to undo this this nice little bit of of uh, clayface storytelling. But that's okay. Um, what did you think of sort of the conversation that Wally has with the kid there about the Justice League at the end? I mean, I. I don't I don't think it's much of a teaser. No. Zach? Uh yeah, I don't I don't really have much thought on it per se. Um it shows a bunch of people up up above like that hinting that you know these could be members of the new Justice League, but I feel like the thing about it is that that they've been teasing this for so long that that even if the team is not exactly 100% who you thought it would be the fact that it could be any of these people above their heads or none of that is a surprise yeah just the way that they've kind of been hinting and teasing at things what's a little strange about this image is just that Jim Chung the way that he draws it there are some characters that could be like seven or eight different people. Like there's not, some are very clearly who they're supposed to be, right? Like, you know, that's John Kent and Damien and, uh, you know, Jace. And uh, I presume that's Yara floor next to Jace, maybe. But yeah. like, yeah. Um, if we're going to like, uh, where is the one? No, like, actually, I think Yara floor is up by Jackson, actually. Yes, I think you're right. So I don't know who that. So then who is that person there? Like, yeah, couple, great question. There's a couple of generic faces. I'm not exactly sure who they are. Um, Which is interesting. But the, the idea is basically that it's not about when the Justice League, but who will be the new Justice League. And that's a pretty fun. I, I just think it's a nice way to phrase it. I, I think that Williams did a good job of of using Wally here because while Wally is not a member of the Justice League right now, he is probably one of the people who is most used to having third place. I thought he was in the Justice League, wasn't he? No, they haven't had a flash under the Bendis run, I don't believe. Okay, I thought Wally took that role after maybe I'm no, he was just the Flash. He wasn't. That's no, what it was. he's he's not the Justice League Flash, right? He's just the Flash. Yeah. Well, there, yeah, yeah. There was because there, there wasn't a Justice League Flash. A, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but so what I was gonna say is like that he's one of the characters from like a continuity standpoint. He's already taken over for Barry when Barry's been dead. So he is he is a perfect sort of um character for us to latch on to in this because he's one of the few who doesn't have to wonder what this will be like. He knows what this is gonna be like. So I thought that was a good use of the character. Yeah. Uh, like I said, so we do get a uh, a seven-page preview of Dark Crisis number one, which we'll talk about when that comes out in June. And then we do get this um, History of the DC Multiverse, which we established this is totally a reprint, right? Yeah, but it's a it's a it's a reprint. It's a condensed reprint of the best part of Justice League Incarnate. So <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> It's too bad it's not the whole thing because I think that was 10 pages and this is only yeah. like five, I think. One, two, right. three. Four. It's clearly it's clearly just the stuff that you would most need to lead into Dark Crisis. Mm-hmm. It cuts out some of the... You'll recall that there were more images from like other Crisis stories mm-hmm. that were redone. Um, particularly uh, Final Crisis stuff was sorely missing from here 
Um, but but it's it's meant to just be the just what you need for for Dark Crisis. I right. Guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, this is a nice little uh, Dark <laughs> Crisis package, like in terms of getting you ready for the um, for the event. But did you see? the uh the the like house ad here for the essential crisis events at dc <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't know i didn't pay attention to it I don't okay so, so Zach, what are they don't, don't look okay okay there are six books listed as the essential crisis events what are those six events well crisis on infinite earths correct um you said six. Six. Okay. Crisis, Infinite Crisis. Yes. Final Crisis. Yes. Those are get, three. Get ready to get, get ready to get some wrong now. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm gonna guess Flashpoint. No. No. That's wild that they wouldn't put that. <laughs> See, I'm, how, I, considering I, how much they market it. Yeah, but I'm telling you that that Jeff Johns book has nothing to do with this now. I, I know, I know, but like they have a Flashpoint movie coming out, though. You know, like do they? Uh, well, okay. uh, it's, it's <laughs> on the calendar. Will it come out? Supposedly, I'm yanking, supposedly. I'm yanking my shirt off by yeah, its collar. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, zero hour? Nope. Nope. <laughs> um. Blackest Night? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Convergence. Nope. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I'm trying to think of what. Um, <clears throat> okay. Um, hold on. Don't tell me. <laughs> can, can I give you an Arrested Development related clue here? Sure. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> He's a very literal man. <laughs> for, two, for two of the three that applies. What? Heroes in Crisis. Correct. So that makes me think that there's another Tom King thing. But th- what could it be? No, no, no. 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 You're, okay. you're, you're going to the wrong thing here. The wrong. Okay. Piece of that. I'm on to the wrong identity crisis. Yes. <laughs> okay. So that's five now. Yes. What in the world could the last one be? Um, Uh, Justice League versus Suicide Squad by Josh Williamson. That would make more sense, maybe. Uh, it is the DC Universe Rebirth Deluxe Edition, which is just the, the issue that Johns did. Insane. Yeah, that's not even a crisis. <laughs> I know. Neither is Heroes in Crisis or Identity Crisis. I know well, the word crisis, crisis in the title, in, but come on, they're they're uh, crinos, you know, crisis in name only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crino. All right. Any other thoughts on the free comic potato issue? Um, no, uh, but I did see that DC is due. Uh, they're releasing a second printing of Justice League 75, and it's going to include the free comic book day story. Oh, okay. just the Jim Chung part. Oh, so it'll it'll be better by default then. Yeah, that's kind of just what I was alluding. I, I didn't know that, but that's exactly what I was saying. Like if you did. If you did Justice League 75 and you kind of honored the past of the Justice League and hinted at the future, like mm-hmm. there you go. There it is. Yeah. 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 So I, I actually, you know, <laughs> I didn't buy Justice League 75 mostly because my sh- shop sold out of them. And I was like, ah, OK, I don't care. But I might try to pick up that second printing uh, just to get that. So since, sorry, uh, since they well, I was going to say since they've released the. Uh, the checklist of dark crisis and it's so slim i'm like ooh, maybe i should well that's what i was just gonna maybe say I should collect the whole thing <laughs> so so you know we have one book in may aside from the free comic day issue we had one in april which is just like 75 and then so there's a road to dark crisis there's a dark crisis war zone at the end aside from that there is um a series of dark crisis worlds without a justice league issues about superman green lantern wonder woman and green arrow and, and batman there are there's a six issue Dark Crisis Young Justice miniseries, and there are three issues of the Flash that tie in, and that's it. Like it's it aside from the, the you know the seven issue series, but it's it's a relatively trim event. And even though it goes six months or so, there's no month that has more than four issues coming out in it. 
and most only have two or three. So that's a that's a pretty feasible event to collect and follow without too much trouble. You know, I really wonder if this is just like a market thing or like still like a, you know, the state of publishing right now and not wanting to like overcommit too many tie-ins because of how like many things can get delayed. But Judgment Day is also a very like, uh, light event so far based on what Marvel has announced. And so I wonder if that's just like a, just the state of comics right now thing, you know, that. That's actually a really interesting point. Um, yeah, I, that wouldn't surprise me actually. I'm, I'm honestly surprised that we haven't seen either Marvel or DC use their um, online digital comics app to have to have tie in stuff on there because you would think if you offer them like free on there maybe that would get some folks to read that and if they get hooked then they would go to their shop or go to comiXology and buy it or whatever i know that's a pie in the sky thing but i feel like i i'm just constantly <coughs> surprised at how little dc and marvel use their unlimited services well for that sort of stuff marvel did do some stuff for the x lives and x deaths of wolverine they actually uh-huh. put the first issue on there um day and date with uh shops and they had one of their like infinity comics that ran side by side with it that was um a pretty lame um kind of like lives of wolverine tie-in that was just like i don't i didn't read it all so i don't i don't know what all it had but I mean, it was like, you know, inconsequential, added nothing, but, you know, it, it is like promotional material. So they they did kind of do that with that. And I, I wonder if they will do more of that. But yeah, DC really hasn't done anything like that other than like the milestone thing. Right. Um, but even that was just like one issue. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is. It's a strange choice. But anyway, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about two more comics. So stay tuned. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commandy. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back with Blood Syndicate Season 1, Number 1, written by Jeffrey Thorne, illustrated by Chris Cross. We have sort of done the milestone books dirty by not talking about them enough on this show. Uh, Part of that is just the inconsistent release schedule. Part of it is just there's a lot of comics to talk about. But we but we all sort of said this was a book we wanted to at least check out the first issue of. Um, I, I know that we have had some mixed thoughts on Jeffrey Thorne as the Green Lantern writer. And so I'm curious to see what we think of Jeffrey Thorne as the Blood Syndicate writer. I personally have not read much Blood Syndicate work from Milestone in the past. My Milestone reading is a lot more of sort of the standard characters that everyone knows, Static, Icon, etc., um, I know Blood Syndicate's like a classic milestone comic. I just have not read much of it. So I went into this with, with pretty, uh, you know, empty expectations. What about you guys? Are either of you guys fans or, um, or you know, particularly have an opinion about Blood Syndicate going into this? I, I know nothing about Blood Syndicate at all, so. Yeah, same. Which, which actually, well, we'll get to it, but I... I... I found that I enjoyed this quite a bit without knowing anything about blood syndicate because Jeffrey Thorne gives you really good context for the Dakota city as like a milestone hub and the various other heroes whose books we have already seen Mm -hmm. are a part of this as well. So it's almost like, you don't need to know what the blood syndicate is or who they are yet. And if you've been reading 
the other milestone books then or you or you're more familiar with those more common characters like it's it's giving you an initiation almost you know mm-hmm. it's not like um it's not throwing you in and expecting you to like i i don't read this as hinting at all at stuff that people already would know you know what i mean it all reads as very fresh to me. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Zach, did you have any previous knowledge here? No, no, none, really none at all. Um, other than I knew that like the blood syndicate, I mean, I, I think I may even be wrong about this. My impression was that it was kind of like the first team book in milestone. I believe that may be correct. Um, but that's, that's like really all I know. And again, that might even be wrong. <laughs> um. <laughs> so um, I, I, if I had to grade this book, I would call it like a B or a B minus because well, I, I really liked, like Vince said, I liked the Dakota City world building that happened here. I liked the art. I think Chris Cross is a really nice job of sort of using. And I, I want to talk about who the colorist is here, too. I did not write that down before. Um, the colorist does a really nice job of sort of mixing the two settings for the book and using sort of uh, colors that work in both settings to sort of show a visual connection between the two cities. That was a very, very clever way to do this here. Why can I not find the credit page on this comic? I don't know. The The PDF they sent us was very strange because the cover was all blown up. That That is true. Every- yeah. So I, I apologize. Whoever the colorist is on this. Um, uh, yeah. Keep talking. I'll figure it out. Okay. Thank you. Yes. But what I will say is I think that this has some pretty <coughs> cringy dialogue in places. Jeffrey Thorne, uh, to my knowledge, is not a uh, Latinx person. And he writes one in the in a very, very stereotypical way in throughout this book, I feel like. Uh, just like the way that the one character calls everybody Miho or Miha. Like, it, at every possible turn just seems like a very, very stereotypy type of voice um, from the guy that calls everybody his paisan. I, I have I never know. once said that you call <clears throat> you, me you your paisan. You do it every time we start the show. Oh, stop. Stop. Uh, say, but I'm Italian. I can say uh, that. It's a Maya paisan. No, no, so so what you're doing right now, that's cultural appropriation because you're not Italian. I can say that because I'm Italian, um, but I don't I'm, say I'm, it. I'm, I'm, telling the people sure, what you sure, do sure but again i'm italian i can do that but but you know there were a couple of moments in this that i just felt were were a little bit cringy dialogue wise um but overall i thought thorne did a really nice job of setting the stage for this book i'm excited to see where this goes i just hope he drops some of the cheesy stereotypical dialogue that happens in a few different places here yeah i and i mean i don't i I don't want to uh, get like, you know, I can't speak to this at all, but I wonder if it would, if it would come across differently to a Latinx person, you know, if like, perhaps yes. Yeah. You know, like if they would find that as cringy as you describe it, you know, or if it, it would come across as natural, like, you know, I don't know. I wonder what that representation. Did you have the same as. feeling though, when you read it? No, but I also just like, I, you know, um, I don't really have like a good gauge for what is normal there, you know, like what is, what is like excessive or what is, um, a little too extra. So I don't know any listeners who want to give some feedback on, on, uh, Thorne's depiction of, uh, kind of like Latinx dialogue that uh, we welcome it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my again, God, if if what? DC wants to hire me to um, make their website like usable and have all the <laughs> okay, DC, I'm throwing bullshit here. Uh, Vince won't write for the website he's a part of. He will not. <laughs> he will not fit your. He will not fix your website. Sorry, just putting it out there. If they give me free Joker merch, I will. Mm-hmm. Um, you're already jokerified enough, my friend. Yeah, I they're they're the colorist is not listed on the website at all, which is a crime. 
I don't know. Sorry, I failed. That's right. You talk about it. I'm going to try and find it myself. So go for it. Okay. Well, I I, I really enjoyed this. I, I know what you're saying about the dialogue, but honestly, like, I feel that way anytime. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to divorce this part of what I'm saying from, like, anything with regards to race of the writer or whatever. Anytime anyone in comics writes like gangbangers, <laughs> I feel yes, like, yes. I feel like it always goes uh, to the... Will Quintana. Oh, Will Quintana. Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Excellent. Excellent job on this. Will Quintana. Yeah. Um, it always goes to like law and order level. I feel <laughs> writing. Yes. Right? Like, yes. 100%. And, and part of that, I think, is I, I think the writers a lot of times know that they're doing it, but they have a small number of pages to get across that these are the gang members you would see on Law and Order. <laughs> we're, we're, we're sorry, we're stereotyping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like that's I feel like that's what writers are going for. You know, it's it's almost like shorthand. Right. But I, I didn't cringe at as much of the dialogue as you guys did, because I think like. I don't know. I just, I got more invested in this world very quickly than I expected to because my enjoyment of green lantern was such a slow burn to get to a point where I was enjoying it, you know, whereas here I feel like Thorn introduces you to like three or four characters. You almost immediately know their personalities within the first few pages um, you may not like them and I don't, or all of them yet. And I think that that's kind of the point, you know, which I also found to be, um, compelling a little bit. Um, I think he drops in the superpower reveals, like none of it is a surprise. You know, I we're right, reading a book right. called blood syndicate, you know, that there's going to be, um, super heroics going on but i, I like, would say that there was one surprise um with the, the gun uh, the gun yes <laughs> the gun i'm not remembering the, the the soldier character basically like just makes a gun out of thin air oh with, like okay. with his powers sure oh yes i yep that big like thing that he's got on his yes, shoulder because that. Yeah. that that character is very is is, is is playing it off as he's very ignorant to the uh yeah to like what's going to what's going on in the world right and then he pulls out this giant uh this giant gun well, yeah it's, yeah it's, oh go ahead go ahead no you go ahead vince i was just gonna say that's a, that's a, I, even though i wasn't pulling that initially like now that you mention it that's like some of the fun that this issue had for me you know i feel like there was like three or four moments throughout this thing where it would do that and yeah, you're not like surprised that somebody has superpowers, but the way that Thorn and the way that Crisscross like throw it out there and present it is just fun, and it's got a good rhythm to it. Um, it's it it's a really smooth, enjoyable read. Like I I didn't I didn't get bogged down in the writing. Like I, I didn't feel like it was particularly wordy or not wordy, but I feel like the way that it was it was just very like natural flowing and the way that it would throw in those little bits where all of a sudden somebody would have, would display their superpower, you know, and it, 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 it kind of comes out of left field, even though you're not surprised to see it, you're surprised about maybe when it displays itself, you know, mm -hmm. um, there's just a really nice rhythm to this, this comic. And I'm not having any background with blood syndicate at all. I'm, interested in in where this goes because maybe maybe people who are familiar maybe they are familiar with these characters maybe these are characters that they've seen before i don't know that um at all and so i'm surprised at how invested i am just one issue in yeah yeah and i think i think i think one of you i think maybe it was brian kind of mentioned like how well lived in the world feels at the beginning like the way that it presents the stuff with icon and rocket i think is really cool uh -huh. um obviously like those books have been going and you could be reading those um alongside it but also if this is your first book it drops you in in a way that i think is like really engaging and interesting um 
And I really like, you know, Vince, you mentioned that, you know, with the way that the story goes, you kind of assume that like, okay, one or more of these characters are, are going to have powers, but there's this whole kind of dance in the dialogue yeah. through, through the beginning um, as these characters are kind of like reconnecting and reintroducing themselves to each other. And they, they both indicate, you know, like, well, there are things that have changed. There's stuff I have to tell you, but you don't know like who is going to be the one to drop that reveal or if even that what that reveal is going to be you know because early on it's you indicate that you know one of the other characters his he he converted to islam at the uh, in you know when he was overseas and that was like his thing so you don't know like what the change is going to be necessarily um until the reveal happens and yeah it was just like very engaging and then the the way that it pays off both you know, from a plot standpoint and um, in terms of like the action at the end of the issue is just really, it's just really fun. Yeah. I, I think that one of the things that's been a shame about our show and I'll take full responsibility for this because I've never pushed for it, but I'm going to start pushing for it is that these milestone books have been really good and we haven't done enough with them. Yeah. I think we, I think part of the problem um is that most of them started while i was on uh oh, so, what maternity what, leave. so what you're saying is that if the woke zach was here he would have made sure we were representing no, our minority no. readership better <laughs> no i'm saying like, i understand the first, issue, I get the first it. Okay. issues came out while i was gone um, <laughs> yeah, i get it which i guess i didn't keep you guys from talking about them so that's on you i don't know we talked about uh, the first issues and everything i think didn't okay, we, Vince? maybe well then maybe that then it is on me because i didn't read the first issues when they came out because i wasn't reading anything then yeah and then we, I, I just never hopped back on them we did talk about the first issues and the real problem with our show is that what we do is we mostly talk about the first issues of things or like the really eventy type stuff mm-hmm so like when there's a status quo shift or when there's a crossover or something like that, that's what we stick to. And it ends up, I mean, the same is true for the vertigo books, right? Right. We would read, we would read like the first issue of vertigo stuff and never come back to it because um, <clears throat> the eventiness of DC comics doesn't allow us to, or doesn't have us not, not that, I mean, we could do whatever we want. Right. But, but just the way that we've decided to approach things these things that don't that are like mini series or maxi series um, that don't have an immediate tie to anything else almost never get revisited by us. Right. So, yeah. Whereas like I, you know, I kind of regret that we fell off of some of the Sandman stuff when that was kind of coming out in earnest. Cause some of that was like, I have no no regrets about that. (laughs) Well, I really, I really liked the dreaming book a lot. So, and, and, you know, there were, there were some good, wasn't there, there wasn't a Danny book, was there? That was in um, that, that was, was uh, uh, Hill House. Uh, Hill, Hill, Hill House, yeah. Which that was another thing that we kind of just dropped uh, was Hill House. Um, so, yeah, we should. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I kind of think like with our inclinations, we're always going to be kind of drawn towards like the continuity heavy stuff or the eventy stuff, just because like we are like sickos like that but uh um, yeah well, we also i i feel like we're trying to give a sense of what dc is like week to week right and that's the mm-hmm. stuff that gets the attention so yeah um um but yeah but, uh, yeah yeah we can uh we can always try to do better i have actually been really looking forward to the the wildstorm stuff is starting to come out in trades now um i think if it's not already out the uh, first trade of Static Shock is going to be out in hardcover soon. Milestone, not Wildstorm. Did I say Wildstorm? Sorry. You did, yes. Um, the first trade, the first hardcover of uh, Static Shock is going to be out soon if it's not already. Okay, and yeah. uh, I'm excited to check those out. I'm glad that they're getting hardcover releases too. I know the Milestone um, compendium, I think, is in paperback, but that's such a like large thing. And that, that's something else I'm interested to kind of check out too. Um, so yeah so, yeah we'll see all right well, that brings us to our final book of the week which is the jurassic league number one which is written by daniel warren johnson and juan gideon and illustrated by juan gideon um 
Vince, why don't you start us off with this one? What do you think of this? Sure. Um, I don't want to overstate things by saying, I, I feel like um, something that happens in the discourse sometimes is when something so wacky or so nonsensical um, that it, it beggars belief um, comes out, people jump all over themselves to say how much they love it and how great it is and blah, 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 just because it's really weird. Right. So at the risk of overstating it, I I really, really enjoyed this. Um, Like it's not going to change anybody's worlds. You know, (laughs) it's not going to like, it's not going to, um, it's not going to change your life, but like, just it is such a wacky idea it's such a it's such a like how are they letting anybody do this how many pitches like this get thrown in the trash or do does dc just not get pitches like this you know which is it i'm fascinated because i don't know how i don't know how you end up with a book like this where almost nothing is explained but the Justice League are just dinosaurs now. <laughs> well, not just dinosaurs now. It's a whole new thing. It's that it's that it, I think it would be almost wilder if it took place on regular Earth, but all of a sudden the dinosaurs and no one said anything about it. Like, yeah, yeah this isn't this isn't JLA or anything. You no, know, where, right. I didn't where there's mean to a story imply, behind it. Or <laughs> I didn't mean to imply that it was. I just I I mean that like yeah, just like it's just very matter of fact that there's a bunch of dinosaurs and they're Justice League characters and. Um, you know, the, the Juan Gideon art, we've, we've praised Juan Gideon so many times now over the last couple of years. Um, but it really holds true. This, this book looks great. Um, I love one of the things that Gideon consistently does that I love is, uh, he doesn't rely too much on, definitely not double page spreads, but not even like single page spreads. It would be so, it would be so easy. It would be so easy for a book like this to feel slight, right? Like, Oh, what if we made the justice league out of dinosaurs and that's, what's going to do most of the work, right? Like we're just going to, there's just going to be these like big widescreen panels of dinosaurs fighting one another. And it's really not that there's, there's a couple, there's like two pages where there's uh, it's a single page spread, I think maybe one double page spread, but then the the rest of the panels are some really like patient storytelling where you get to see a little bit of each of the Jurassic league members and what they're up to. And the panels are smaller and, and they take their time and he packs a lot in so it's not just, it doesn't just feel like this uh, brawler comic that you're done reading in five minutes, you know, mm-hmm. um, you can really sink your teeth into this one if you want to, you know, a lot of it is just fight scenes, but they're detailed and they're, and they feature small panels and, and, and lots of things going on. Um, there, there's more meat here than meets the eye at first. And and like I said, it's not going to blow you away or change your life or anything, but it's, I can't imagine you not having fun with it. Yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a, that's a pretty fair assessment here. You know, one of the things that I wrote down in my notes was um, that this is fun. It looks great and it feels insulting and reductive to call it slight, but by definition, it is a slight story. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that, you know, we have to get out of this mindset that every comic, like you said, Vince, needs to change someone's life, right? Or yeah. needs to needs to be something that is groundbreaking in some way. Sometimes it can be fun to just have a goofy comic with the Justice League or Dinosaurs. Now, yeah. I don't want all of my comics like this. And if I'm being honest, I will probably forget to read issues two through six of this because this just isn't why I get up in the morning to read comics. But every time I remember it, I will read it and I will enjoy it. And I will marvel at the one getting because that guy is just doing some fucking amazing stuff right now. 
but I definitely understand why there is probably a large chunk of the audience who, no matter how good this looks, will probably not go for this too much. And that's okay. By me. Zach, what about you? Um, so creative team aside, I did not have very high expectations going into this. Like I thought the art would probably be good. Um, but I generally just like, don't like this kind of thing. You know, not that I hate fun. I just like find it hard to care, but I was actually surprised by how compelling some of the writing was like, it's, it's, I mean, it's not like deep or anything, but uh, some of the stuff with like the the Diana analog was pretty good, I thought, and the stuff with um, the so it, some of it was just like even funnier than I expected. There were two moments in the book that specifically made me chuckle out loud. The first was when um, the bat dinosaur uh, exclaimed guano, yes, it's like instead of shit. <laughs> Guano, and then the other one. Um, <laughs> oh, I have to find the page. It was it was with the Aquaman analog, where one of his um, one of his dolphins get gets hit, and he like calls out to it by name, and I think I think its name is like Matilda or something. It's, um, <laughs> it's hang on, hang on. It's, I just yeah, it is Matilda. Matilda, just, yes, yeah. Matilda. <laughs> uh, maybe just really made me laugh for some reason it's just like so hilarious and nonsensical i i just really liked it so um yeah i mean again i'm not just like dying to read the second issue but it it definitely impressed me a lot more than i expected it to you yeah know, I, I one of the things i was thinking about when, when we when i was prepping for this is that i'm somewhat of two minds of a book like this because on one hand i love that they're letting dana warren johnson and Juan Getty and do what they want to do, right? Like that should be more of that, please, not less of that. However, wouldn't it be great if these folks were given an opportunity to work on a book that was a little bit more substantial than this? Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't want to do that, but I would certainly like them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't disagree at all. Yeah. <laughs> and um and and Brian, you know, you you called this slight, and I think I think. Can I, and this is maybe what you mean by it, but I think conceptually it is. Um, yes, I think I was surprised to find, and maybe, and you know, maybe you agree how much there was to it when you're actually reading it. Um, yes, I, 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 I will agree with that. Yes, yeah, it, it, like the writing is not slight, the concept is slight, the concept mm -hmm. is slight, and, and what actually happens in this, you know. I guess you could say it's slight. It's kind of just an assembling the team sort of thing. And they don't even get fully assembled by the time this is over. Um, it's more like introducing you to the, each individual player. But the, the part that I want to call special attention to that I really loved and, and, and where the book really won me over. Cause I am always a skeptic with these, like for lack of a better word, like Epic bacon type things where it's like, Oh, what if, Lord of the old Justice League is dinosaurs. That's rad, you know, um, where it really won me over was the Wonder Woman section or the what do they call it? The Wonder Don? Wonder Don. Yeah. Wonder Don. Yeah. That whole section is so good. Um, the stuff where where she's talking to her mother, which I assume would be like a, a, a play on Hippolyta in some way. I, I don't know what. Hippolodon or something like that. They never, they never say her name. I don't think, but, um, but then uh, they show the like Aries skeletal, like Aries triceratops or whatever, hanging from those, like in that dungeon, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. That whole part is so like rad and, <laughs> metal and um not like emotionally affecting but i don't know there's something there like she gives her mom a hug and there's tears and then she flies off and that that whole bit is like it's way better than it has to be you know i guess yes. is what i want to say like again it's not changing my life but it's certainly more 
there's more to it than they would have need to put into it. Definitely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Agree with that. Well, all right, Vincey, what's coming out next week for us? Um, <coughs> it is um, not in alphabetical order. Uh, the Flash 782, Batman Superman World's Finest number three, Batman the Night number five, Catwoman 43, Nightwing 92, Shadow Warzone number one, uh, Wonder Woman Evolution seven. Um, and that's it. Unless you're into Looney Tunes 266. One of these weeks, we should just read an issue of Looney Tunes just to see what it's I think all about. Maybe, maybe after the new 52, this the Patreon is Looney Tunes. <laughs> just all the Looney Tunes. Books. Yeah, we go back to the 90s because it's still run. It's it's 266 now, but that's that started in the 90s, right? No, uh, no, no. Well, are, you, are you sure? Yeah, because think about it. If it's 12 issues a year, you know, that, that wouldn't go back almost 30 years. It would go back like 20 years. Yeah, so it'll be like, okay, talk amongst yourselves. Uh, we'll we'll pick this up next episode. I'll tell you if you're right or not. Okay, well, if you need to find two thirds of us on Twitter, I am on Twitter at Brian is an app, and I am at Walker Fox. If you need to get in touch with Vince, he's a little busy um, because he is reading Looney Tunes comics and he likes it very much when Bugs Bunny dresses up like a girl bunny. I forget what I does. Does he say something? Is there a in Wayne's world? They just laugh yeah. a lot. That was oh, kind of an laugh. improv okay. line, and he just laughs a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I couldn't remember if he, if he said, "I like to play" or something like that. No, no that <laughs> that is slightly earlier in the film, I believe. I know. I know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, get your Looney Tunes ready for next year, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Uh, you think you think I'm not gonna sing Selena to you after this is over? <laughs> 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 <laughs>